Hi everyone, Phil Seymour here, company president with IBA. And today I'm talking to Killian Croak. This is really a precursor to our Values Masterclass, which comes up on Thursday, the 24th of September. So if you were interested in joining us, please sign up to the webinar via iba.aero. In terms of uh, Killian, Killian is a partner with the Financial Services Group of KPMG in Ireland. He's the lead audit and assurance partner in the aviation finance practice. Uh, welcome, Killian. Thanks, Phil. Good to talk to you again. Yeah, indeed. Um, so, Killian, I think, um, am I right in thinking that, you know, coming up, there are some sort of issues to deal with in terms of aircraft valuations, impairment. Is is it this just another year or is impairment going to be more of an issue in the current pandemic? Um, I, I think you've hit the nail on the head, Phil. I think uh, impairment of, of aircraft and related assets is, is certainly top of mind for us as auditors, and I suspect it's going to be uh, top of mind, if not the number one issue that, that lessors are going to have to deal with in, in, in the coming financial reporting period. It has been a, a requirement for lessors and airlines to consider whether or not their aircraft have um, an indicator of impairment for every year end. But I think given what's happened in the current market, uh, that is likely to be a you know a quantifiable issue in the current year that, that hasn't arisen uh, in the past couple of years because we've I suppose been on the the upward trajectory in terms of valuations uh, demand uh, and and other supply issues that have, that have helped support the values. So I think that the, it is going to be a number one issue, and there's a couple of things to to I suppose that are impacting that. What we've seen I suppose in, in, in commentary in the last couple of weeks around uh, impairment is is getting louder and more focused on, on, on aircraft, both from a owner lessor and an airline operator perspective. As with lots of talk around mark-to-market accounting, which I think, one, is it's useful to clarify that's not really relevant in the context of most financial reporting scenarios and for most lessors and airlines. They report their aircraft under what's known as an historical cost basis of accounting. Uh, and what depreciation uh, and impairment, which, you know, for all intents and purposes, is an acceleration of depreciation, is trying to do is to allocate the cost of an aircraft over its useful economic life or the life that it will be owned and held by that lessor or that airline. So the accounting is not trying to achieve a mark-to-market answer, uh, even under the the, the, the uh, environment test, which we'll come to in a second. And if you end up uh, with a carrying value that equals uh, fair value or, or market value, other than the instant after you bought it, it's by a chance rather than by design from a, from an accounting perspective. I think in the current year, uh, the key challenges that, that, that are going to come to people are, are, are reasonably well known, but maybe just to, to, to give the background and, and the context and where they're coming from, from a, an accounting um, perspective. The, uh, under IFRS, uh, which is the, the, the international framework for accounting, impairments are, are calculated as being the, the difference between the carrying value of an asset and it's uh, recoverable amount or it's recoverable value. And the recoverable value is a higher of two values, uh, one of which is the fair value less cost of disposal, uh, and the other is a value in use. Now, the fair value less cost of disposal, not surprisingly, is you know, um, designed to be a, a market value. So it's the, the, the price that will be paid to acquire the asset in an orderly transaction at the current um, date and under current market conditions. And I think what we're going to find, and, and certainly something you and your colleagues will be, be a lot more expertised in than we are, is that I think where that's going to demonstrate itself is in much lower current market values for aircraft is going to mean that a lot more aircraft are probably going to fail that test. 
Whereas in the past couple of years, they passed that test and therefore there was no need to go any further with uh, impairment testing. The second step, or the, 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 the alternative value and use uh, calculation is now likely to become a lot more important to uh, lessors and airlines. And what that's going to require them to do is effectively to determine the present value of the future cash flows that they expect to derive from kind of the, the leasing uh, or the operating of that aircraft and its ultimate disposition or, or, or sale. And that's where the challenge is going to come in in the current year because that requires an estimation of future cash flows. Um, it requires an estimation of residual values or terminal values. Uh, and it requires an estimation of the, the uh, discount rate to be used in, in valuing those assets. So a huge amount more complexity there, and obviously added to by what's going on in the market with deferral requests from airlines. Uh, when are they going to start paying? Uh, how does that impact in terms of uh, forecasted cash flows and the uh, potential variations in the, the timing, or ultimately the, the, the amount of those cash flows is going to have a huge impact on the, the ultimate result there, as well as things like the discount rate, where we are going to see a lot more challenge from so people in roles like I have as, as, as uh, an auto partner to see, well, does the rate reflect, um, you know, and which is required to do under IFRS, a, a market participant rate? Um, and has you know, the, the uh, market for investing in aircraft changed its view of the, 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 the asset class and view of what's happened? And how does that get reflected in, in discount rates for the, the, the current year end? So I think there's, to some of there's quite a lot that's going to, to, to flow. I think the, the final point that I'd, I'd make on it in terms of what are the, the, the issues and the challenges facing lessors, I think it's important to remember two things. One, financial reporting and, and accounts are effectively financial storytelling. So how you can enhance that or, or, or strengthen the message is around disclosures. And there are minimum disclosures that the uh, accounting standards require are to, to be made each year. And then there are additional disclosures which are discretionary or voluntary. Uh, and we've seen an element or uh, certainly some examples of, of people getting to better practice or best practice in terms of disclosing, you know, what's giving rise to impairments. So what, what are the, the, the circumstances that give rise to impairments? Is it due to airlines going bankrupt? Is it due to leases being rene renegotiated or other factors? And then other things around their, their own stress testing and the, the robustness of their fleet in terms of saying we have stressed our models by reducing discount rates or increasing discount rates, reducing residual values or haircutting and rentals, and we are still okay or there's no significant impairment noted. So I think that's going to be a, um, a particular focus for, for, for people in terms of demonstrating you know, where they have it, that, you know, the fleet, or that their fleet is, is, is uh, supporting the current value. Yeah, I think, the, um, I think in the past that where, where IBA sort of IQ values have been used is that because we give online access, obviously that information can be used by the airline less or indeed some auditors as they see fit. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's fair enough. But of course, some of those, some of those values may be generic. Um, and then I suppose my question is around, presumably this has to be done on an aircraft by aircraft basis because uh, an A320neo on lease with airline X is going to have a different value in terms of that uh, value in use versus an A320neo that's that's parked and not earning revenue that, from a lessor's perspective. And it, if an aircraft is actually not being utilised now, but the lessor says, well, actually, you know, we've got 
three LOIs, we're expecting that aircraft to be back on lease next March. Would they have to take an impairment this year because that aircraft's not in use, or can they kind of plead the case that that aircraft is capable of earning revenue in the future, therefore an impairment today isn't necessary or indeed valid? I, I, I won't answer the question, it depends, but I, I, I think that there is there's nothing uh, within the, 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 the accounting of the auditing frameworks, Phil, that would say you absolutely have to take uh, an impairment just because the aircraft is on ground and isn't currently generating revenue. Um, yeah. and the way I would look at something like that is, uh, and you, you brought a couple of interesting points that maybe try and comment on. One is the fact that, you know, a, a fair value less cost of disposal with that aircraft would probably look to what is the current market value for the aircraft and the uh, investor or the lessor or the airline may fail that test and say, well, you know, if the current market value is below the current value, I may have an impairment. But when they look at what the um, income or, or revenue generating capacity is from the aircraft into the future, they would look at those LOIs and say, well, I can factor those in uh, and I can factor in what the residual value of the aircraft is going to be at the end of that lease. Two things maybe I, I would point out on that is one is that the existence of the LOIs or assigned lease agreement is very helpful because it, it reduces the level of estimation risk that somebody is coming out there in terms of we think we can estimate or we think we can put this on lease after six months downtime for, for an appropriate rate. Where you have an expected or, or contract executed, um, it certainly helps in that regard. And then obviously things like the residual value when the aircraft comes back off lease, what can be realized at the end? If, if the, the, the present value of all of those is more than the carrying value of the asset, well then you won't have an impairment. There's a couple of things maybe just to, to you, 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 you talked about IBA IQ and the, 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 the reliance that preparers of financial statements, investors, and, and indeed auditors um, or reviewers will have on those data points. I think it's particularly, particularly relevant, right? Um, in a case where you don't have a valid contract um, or something that, that you're pointing to and it is a management estimate, then in a lot of cases, we as auditors and, and, and other reviewers or, or, or um, investors would look at or look to an IBIQ or another um, independent expertized firm to say, well, how valid are these uh, estimates and how reliable are they based on historical performance and the, the, the expertise of the appraiser? So I think that's where things like that are going to come into play more often. And it's interesting in the point you've raised that in the current year, there is a new estimates auditing standard which you know increases the the, the hurdle for for auditors to get over in terms of getting satisfied with management estimates and that means that there is going to be more time needed from management to help auditors uh, to perform the procedures and to better articulate their processes and controls and that's around kind of three key areas like the methods so are things uh, prescribed self-developed um the assumptions and the data so that's where i think we're going to find either you know, vehicles that are managed that may not have a long track record, uh, newly formed lessors and investors will rely or look to things like IBAIQ and, and, and other platforms to give them support in um, validating and justifying the, those key estimates that they've made in, 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 in making the environment assessment. Yeah, thanks, Killian. I think where some of the discussion we've had is around um, base value. When I say we, not you and I, um, some of the industry players and ourselves, because really the, the ISTAT definition of base value did come out of the issues surrounding the first Gulf War back in the early 90s when there were so many aircraft grounded that, mm -hmm. uh, and in terms of their 
their market value, they were really under pressure. But I think the view of a lot of funds who held those aircraft at the time was, you know, is it fair that I know millions or billions of dollars are wiped off of pension fund investments because of a what was seen as a blip? Um, I won't go into whether we think this pandemic is a blip. I think we've gone beyond that. But um, the idea of base value was to say, well, this is an asset that is a long life asset. Yes, it depreciates, but in terms of its ability to earn revenue, um, it should be looked at in the long term. So hence, base value was, let's say, invented as a definition. However, some people would say, well, base value isn't a real value, therefore it's not really used by the trading community. It can be used as a reference point, but it just struck me that, you know, there is a time and a place for base value and perhaps you know, in terms of a lessor or an airline that says, well, okay, we may have an issue this month with the ability of that aircraft to have a value in use, quite literally. However, it is part of a restructuring plan. It does have a long term. Uh, we, ha we have a long term view of the asset. So therefore, is there a you know, base value may well be a useful proxy. I won't put you on the spot and ask you because I think this is really what I think the industry needs to discuss, that when we look at a lessor, a lessor can probably do a calculation of value in use relatively quickly because it really perhaps doesn't have that many variables. I mean, you mentioned obviously the rental income, the a, a view on the discount rate. Um, for an airline, it's a much more difficult calculation, of course, because it may, you know, depends on the configuration, is that the revenue it earning, is it economy seats, premium business? Yeah, what's the mix of that sale? What's the, the cost of yeah, operating that aircraft and how would that impact the overall value in use? So I think for airlines, it, it can be a very difficult calculation. And I, and I suppose what I'm thinking of is using IBA IQ base value, is that a reasonable proxy? Because otherwise we could do an awful lot of work, which of course we love doing, but I think in this state where we are as an industry, we have to help each other. And if if we can help an airline come up with a set of valuations, which of course meet the criteria and you, you, you touched on things like the method and I've been sort of making a point that IBA has been subject to some fairly rigorous, dare I call it, cross-examination by auditors in the past, you know, in terms of the objectivity of the of the uh, expert reports. And, and I just think that it's important to say, you know, that we are assisted by these guidelines and regulations. They're not put in our way. I think when when companies have been around for three or four decades, they they have built up processes and procedures. But I just wonder, you know, coming back to this point, really, is, is base value a kind of quick and easy way of solving what is a very intellectually and financially challenging set of equations? I, I don't think there's a simple answer, to be honest, right, uh, in terms of getting there, because I think uh, while certain of the, the ISTAT definitions will line up to what is required um, or, or conform generally with what might be required. So I think, you know, the, the ISTAT definition of market value is probably reasonably close enough to what the, the, the county standards would define as fair value and um, that that's been generally accepted by 
users, preparers, and auditors of financial statements that you know market value is is a good proxy for fair, fair value less cost to sell. The challenge that I think would come up in terms of the base value, and, and it's not to say that I think I would discount it out of hand. I think there, there may be circumstances that, that I think, and one of the ones you referred to there is potentially where you may have an airline um, that isn't able to look to say, well, we will lease this to somebody else, or we can, we, we've a, a practice of remarketing and selling the aircraft on, that it may provide them with a more appropriate value and use as a, as a longer term asset or a, a, an in use corporate asset rather than as a, um, uh, you know, an asset for sale or an asset that, that's used in a financing business. The, the key challenge I think that, that there comes out from it, Phil, is that base, base value looks at, you know, as you, you define the, the economic value of the aircraft. I, I think the challenge that I would have at the moment might be that, you know, the, the, the definition assumes a reasonable balance of supply and demand and assumes the, the, the consideration is highest and best use, which I think is consistent with, with the, the accounting standards. The issue that I have is that your know, value and use is, is designed to be a, an entity specific um, valuation viewpoint. So that means that you can include certain things that, that might necessarily be included in the base value. So you potentially look at additional value derived from grouping of assets or potentially entity specific synergies that might arise. When you raise the question, um, what I think came closer to, to me in mind is that I think potentially a securitized value or the, the ISTAT securitized value may actually be a, a closer uh, proxy to it in certain instances in that it looks at the, the uh, certainly as I understand it, the, the appraiser's view of an aircraft's value under lease, given the, the, the currently contracted rental streams, uh, an estimated residual value, at least termination, and you know uh, a discount rate. That is pretty close to the value and use calculation that a um, you know uh, that, that the accounting standards require. And I think in certain instances you may see more requests for securitized values are more challenged to reconcile, you know, a value and use that, that that somebody has prepared and potentially a securitized value where there is a lease in place to say, well, actually, is it due to a difference in the discount rate that you as the appraiser might have and that which the lessor has determined or the investor has determined? And other amounts around, particularly say things like the the uh, residual value or the terminal value, where the, the expertise of the appraiser would would come into play. Those I to see as as potentially lining up for for assets on lease. The base value, I think, because it doesn't meet the definition exactly, a lot of people have said, well, it's not it hasn't got a wholesale application for value and use. That's not to say I don't think it's 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 completely unusable in certain uh, circumstances where you may be say, well, absent other information or absence the, the asset being on lease or something else that base value may provide a useful proxy for value and use. But I wouldn't think that um, I'd like to see it as a, um, a, a widespread or broad brush um, proxy for value and use. Is that I think securitized value, certainly for assets that are on lease, would be closer to the, 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 um, the value and use uh, from an accounting standards perspective. And base value, I think, may be a, maybe an appropriate alternative, if I can put it that way, under certain circumstances. Yeah, I think that's, um, I say, I think where we're at is that we're, we're all learning a lot from this yeah. situation. Um, and I think where where possible, we, you know, we want to be helpful to the industry, whether that's the airlines, lessors, uh, and or auditors. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I think um, we're coming up to half an hour, Killian. So I think we've covered most of the main points. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to uh, raise with me whilst you uh, 
have a, a nice stat appraiser on the line or you uh, I just take the fact that you're you're fully satisfied with the industry and uh, everything's perfect I, I think and, and you, you hinted at it in, in terms of the, 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 the challenge you've had through various scrutinies um, in the past I think what we've seen more uh, Phil, as was more a commentary than, than an, an interest is you know we've seen accounting regulators we've also seen lawyers and other people in, in you know potentially acrimonious situations challenging the use of, 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 of appraisers and how auditors and investors and auditors in particular have looked at those view the the, the, the the appraisers you know historically i think a lot of people would have taken the reports from appraisers uh seen that the results were what they needed them to be and and put them on the file and said we're done you know the experts have said this value is fine in in the regulated environment of of, of auditing of listed companies uh, and securitization because those regulators have significantly challenged the, the, the need of auditors to look at you know uh, the competence the capability the objectivity of those um appraisers and to fully understand the process that, that you've gone through. And I think what that is going to do is going to mean there's going to be a lot more, you know, trying to join up the dots in terms of, well, what is the correct value to use here? Is base value appropriate in these circumstances? Is, is market value or securities value the best one to use? We're seeing a lot more of, of, of challenge of that and consideration of it. Um, and also understanding various movements where, you know, it, it, is there a large range? We certainly know that the, a lot of our clients use, you know, three, five or more uh, appraisers to get a, 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 you know, what they would deem to be a valid range of views, sometimes um, discounting outliers, but coming back to a core number that they use. Those are, uh, are going to be very, uh, I think, important in the future in terms of people understand, well, why would somebody be much higher than the others or, or, or where they get to? So I, I think what's going, what we're going to see is a lot more communication and correspondence between auditors and uh, appraisers to fully understand what the, the, the uh, issues are there. And I think, uh, I, I suspect, again, a lot more engagement of appraisers as, as experts, specifically by auditors, you know, acknowledging we're not experts in aircraft values. We have an expertise in auditing and accounting and a specialism maybe in the sector. But, you know, we won't look to tell a client we think the value is wrong. We need to base that on something which is going to be, I think, the view of people like yourselves. And I also think, you know, as we start to get into it, that new estimates auditing standard that I talked about is going to see uh, a lot more reliance on things like ABI, IBAIQ for validating estimates and judgments that preparers of financial statements have used in terms of coming up with, with, with their accounts. So I think that's going to be huge. I think that the, 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 you know, from, from our perspective, the, 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 the key challenge you're going to see is that, you know, from, from our perspective, how, how much of what's been talked about in terms of have we got a huge drop in, in, in current market values coming up because there's been so much talk in the market without substance to it as yet. Uh, I'd be interested to get your views on whether or not this is a, you know, are we, are, is what we're looking at a temporary blip that will likely recover, you know, and, and are there particular things that we could say, well, you know, a, a, an impairment is supposed to be a permanent diminution in value. And I think getting your view in terms of you know are there particular types that that have really suffered that or are, are most of what we're seeing just current market values reflecting the the you know current market environment the lack of of, of trading and you know the uncertainty that's there rather than you know the, the the underlying base value of the aircraft the underlying you know depreciation curve changing yeah look i think uh we could probably spend an hour talking about the values <laughs> as indeed we do but uh, i i would say just very briefly, I suppose there are some aircraft where we, we we're looking at 
decisions made by airlines point to mm. a permanent change, and that would include base value. So aircraft such as uh, the four-engined wide bodies, so we're seeing 747s going out of service in, in big numbers, A380s being stored and probably parked uh, indefinitely or permanently, uh, A34600s, etc. Um, mm. So there are some, you know, there is evidence that some aircraft types are struggling. Now, I need to be careful because we are hearing some possible good news about 747s because uh, there is a, a freighter conversion option. Mm. Uh, so, you know, not every aircraft has to be treated the same. But so on the one extreme, A380s, but then, you know, there is that grey area. Uh, we also have this pressure in the industry towards the environment, quite rightly. Um, so newer technology aircraft, aircraft with the new technology engines, I suppose they they receive a uh, are more likely to get back to 2019 base values and even market values. But there's a, a big grey area in between. And um, I think as we're finding, like with most things in life, generalising can be a, a bit of an issue. It, it can mm -hmm. depend on if it's the right aircraft in the right environment for the airline and the lessor, uh, then it's perfectly capable of generating income. We've even seen you know, some lessors looking at the aircraft as an asset, which as a flying aircraft, it, it may be under pressure, but they've leased engines out. So there are ways and means uh, to drive lessors into still earning revenue from the asset. So um, I think as far as this session goes, Killian, in terms of the podcast, I mm -hmm. think we covered plenty of ground, but okay. I feel like this is only the only the beginning perhaps, and we uh, uh, we probably need to do more regular podcasts between us. Absolutely. I suspect we'll be talking lots over, over, over the coming months and I think the exchange of views and, and the, the sharing of the perspectives is, 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 we've certainly found it particularly helpful in the past, Phil, and I think sharing with a wider audience is, is going to be beneficial to a much wider, wider group. So look forward to doing that over the coming months. So to end this, uh, thanks very much, Killian, for, for joining me in this podcast. Um, I've learned a lot already. For those of you who want to know more, we're running our Values Masterclass on Thursday, the 24th of September. If you want to listen live, it's between 9 and 10 British summertime. Uh, you can sign up for the webinar via iba.aero. So uh, thanks again, Killian, and everyone. I look forward to this continuing debate about uh, impairment and valuations. Thank you.